This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. 8.36 a.m. You are listening to The Morning Run. I'm Shazana Mokhtar with Wong Xiaoning and Keith Kam. Now, in half an hour, we have the opening bell where we check out how Bursa Malaysia begins the trading day. But before that, let's turn our attention to the property sector, specifically looking at house buyers protection. Malaysia continues to battle with the problem of abandoned housing as there are 655 housing projects categorized as delayed, sick and abandoned abandoned, amounting to a gross development value of 79.03 billion ringgit as of September 30th last year. With that, there has been more discussions surrounding the build-then-sell concepts for local residential developments. In fact, last year, local government development minister Nga Koming said the government is looking to introduce incentives to encourage this build-to-sell concept rather than the current sell-then-build system. However, just a few days ago, it was announced that there are no current plans to enforce a mandatory build-then-sell concept on housing developers and it can only be considered once the economy has recovered and is stable. But as millions of ringgit continue to be channeled to revive abandoned housing projects, what are the other methods to resolve this issue and what is the outlook for the real estate sector moving forward? So for some perspectives on this, we have on the line with us Adato N.K. Tong, President of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association, also known as REDA. Adato, good morning. Thanks very much for joining us. Now, last year, the government was looking into incentives to encourage developers to look into the build-then-sell concept. Is this a concept that's welcomed by industry players? Were there any consultations made with REDA uh, to pursue this proposal? Good morning. Um, I think uh, the um, Ministry of Housing is still looking into the details. Uh, we are awaiting uh, the opportunity for consultation. Um, the I think whether, whether it's welcome or not, it depends on the form that it's taking. But basically... Uh, all I think all forms of housing delivery systems should be considered. And Kay, uh, when it does come to consultations, what what would the issues that you'll be bringing up? Well, uh, whether whether these uh, I think the big question is whether it's going to be made mandatory. I think that that shouldn't be the case. Mm. Uh, what kind of changes in legislation and or uh, incentives there may be for the industry and or uh, home buyers as well. Okay, so why why are you against it ma- being made uh, mandatory and compu- compulsory like they are in some I jurisdictions? Think, yeah. yeah, the key is uh, in terms of cost to the right, yeah. Because if you, you have to understand that uh, currently our stock-to-flow ratio, meaning uh, new housing coming into the market every year versus the existing stock, um, just taking some rough numbers, I haven't looked at it lately. Let's say it's about 100,000 units come onto the market each year uh, to add to about 6 to 6.2 uh, million homes. Mm. The stock-to-flow ratio is about 1.5%. And if we make build-then-sell compulsory, you will see that stock collapse. Um, so that will make it even harder to bring new stock onto the market. Um, Secondly, there is already a very viable uh, equivalent of build and sell, which is the stock that I just mentioned. So the the six over million homes that exist. So each year, um, buyers have a choice of buying a new home, which is one and a half percent of the market, or buying an existing property, which is literally built and 
now you uh, buy, <laughs> build and buy, build and sell, which is the six million. So people have a choice, and and choice is always good. Okay, but at the same time, right? If we do adopt the build to sell, of course there would be probably more protection for the purchaser because he gets to view the completed house, he knows the quality, and in a way that will prevent financially unsound fly by night errand developers from emerging. So there are some pros, right, for pushing ahead with build to sell. Well, it's already in the market. Yeah. I think uh, let let's look at the problem and make sure that we get to the root of the cause. So, to discuss why there are um, stick projects that that that's a is going to take the whole morning. But let let's come back to what you said about fly by night. I've I've actually recently pointed it out that uh, we're still waiting for the statistics from the Ministry of Housing. But um, of the, let's look at the abandoned houses. I think a percentage, maybe perhaps a smaller percentage, are from uh, illegal developments, developments without advertising permit and developer's license. And that should never have taken off the ground. But to be fair to authorities and um, the Ministry of Housing, it's very difficult to detect them, especially in the rural, suburban areas and, and small projects. But what could have happened is, I'm assuming these projects involve uh, legal services and uh, banking loans. So lawyers and loan officers should A, have not gotten involved in these projects, and secondly, B, should have reported them to the police. And and this is what, something that, you know, we hope to work with the authorities to, to at least stamp out mm. that percentage before we also look at some of the other structural causes that, that uh, can challenge the industry and therefore hurt the right. Yeah. So would you do you have any recommendations, I suppose, or uh, are there new business model incentives that can be considered to, uh, I guess, strengthen that house buyer protection and reduce the number of sick housing projects that come up? Uh, as I mentioned, it, it takes a, a lot longer in this conversation, but let me just let me just say quickly, um, the industry, the industry we, we, we recognize our responsibility to deliver, for example, affordable housing, uh, you know, have a Bumi Putrakota, et cetera. But in so doing and imposing certain conditions on this street, the market is actually not market-driven. The property market is not market-driven in Malaysia. So you get a situation where there, it can be too much, uh, too, often there's too little affordable housing in certain areas, and then there's too much. And how do we know there's too much? If you look at the NAPIC numbers every quarter, uh, projects, uh, units that remain unsold after nine months, uh, 27.5% are 300,000 and below. So how does this relate to what we just said? Typically then, first with uh, delivery of affordable housing, you have to cross-subsidize. So the, the properties that should have been, the, the, the regular price housing that should have been priced at, let's say 500,000 or 600,000, now have to be pushed up more to be able to cross-subsidize. And that leads to un unsold stock. Secondly, you, you already just heard there's unsold stock at the uh, even affordable level. All this stock actually weighs in on the industry and also uh, then causes uh, cash flow problems uh, for certain developers and that, that thereby potentially leading to uh, sick, sick projects. So um, trying to find a better way out, I think, uh, needs a lot more consultation with industry and so the, the relevant authorities. So are you suggesting, NK, that the reason why we have this issue is because there are policies that don't work for the industry at the end of the day? 
Um, not entirely. Mm. I think specifically to what the numbers you've quoted, we really have to look at the last, um, now coming up to four years, mm. uh, when we had the pandemic. You know, I mean, people have forgotten about the, the restaurants that have uh, shuttered and never reopened because they can always go to a new restaurant. It's more painful when the rakyat has uh, faced with sick, uh, late sick or even abandoned houses. So so therefore, it, that, that, that problem is there, but it's really in recognition of a very unusual period in history, which is, you know, probably hasn't happened in, in uh, uh, close to 100 years, that, that we had this global pandemic that shut everything down. And so I wouldn't say that uh, the policies uh, are causing it, but I would say that the uh, the pandemic actually highlighted some of the challenges of the existing system. And Kate, can I get a get get a get some thoughts on you on what you think the uh, increase in SST from six percent to eight percent might have on real estate prices that takes effect tomorrow? <laughs> well, yeah, I think obviously um, uh, prices are going up. Uh, everywhere because of the SST. But no, first, I have to recognize that the, the government is in a challenging situation. It has to raise uh, taxes uh, to fund all the programs that it does. So, so that, first, we have to recognize. I think, secondly, we have to recognize that this does increase costs. And um, the developer or the development industry, we are the messenger. I think a lot of uh, costs have to be passed through. You know, maybe in the 80s and 90s, uh, when when um, it was more robust, we could have absorbed some of it. But again, especially with the last four years when uh, we had the pandemic, um, the margins have really come down, really come down. So I, I believe a lot of these costs will have to be passed through. Um, and by the way, you know, to, to talk about, again, why projects get in trouble, Sometimes people say, oh, these developers are making too much money. But I think if you look at the last 10, 20, 30 years, the margins have come down a lot, which is not necessarily a good thing for the rug yet. You do want a healthy margin to be able to weather shocks, shocks like the one that we've had in the in the recent past. Mm. So I anticipate this increase in uh, from 6 to 8% will have a, a knock-on effect on, on house prices. Uh, while we still have you on the line and in the minute that we have left, can we just get your view in terms of the outlook for the uh, property market for 2024? Yeah, I think to be fair, you know, developers are always very optimistic, uh, but the country also, the populations continue to grow. So the outlook should look uh, decent and, and robust. The, the challenge, of course, is what happens in the global economy. And uh, if you look at the uh, S&P 500 in the US, it continues to set new highs and looks to set new highs into the middle of the year. So in spite of the, the uh, some, some concerns people have about the global economy, things still look pretty positive globally, and therefore I think will reflect in uh, the Malaysian economy and therefore uh, the Malaysian property market for the right, yeah. Dato, thanks very much for speaking with us. That, that was Dato N.K. Tong, President of the Real Estate and Housing Developers Association, also known as REDA, commenting on the uh, proposal for built-to-sell concepts to be made more mainstream in Malaysia, uh, citing some caution caution there, I suppose, on making it mandatory at least. Yeah, so he explains that the reason why there's an, a huge uptick in abandoned properties, uh, projects not properties, is because during COVID, of course, a lot of developers had cash flow constraints. 
Uh, but my point about build to sell is that there are clearly some advantages, right? One of which is that you know what you're buying. You get to see the quality. And there's no such thing as an abandoned project at all. But on the flip side, I recognize that if you you don't you only focus on that, then there will be many projects that won't come to fruition where we have an imbalance in terms of demand and supply. And in the way the developers will then cherry pick their projects and maybe not do projects where housing is really desperately mm. needed. Mm. So there's I it requires further study or maybe some form of hybrid can be achieved. And, and the other thing that stood out for me was the fact that, you know, like like the fact that the SST increases are taking place tomorrow, uh, what's going on with this build to sell concept, uh, switch to build to sell concept was did not involve a lot of uh, industry consultations as at, as at this point. And I, I mean, I hope there's more discussion on this because at the end of the day, we want to benefit everyone. For sure. And uh, I just want to point out, EBITDA margins of the property developers still quite healthy at this moment. <laughs> All right, 8.49 in the morning. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll come back to look at uh, news out of corporate Malaysia, including earnings from Maybank, Public Bank, Hong Leong Bank and more. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.